in it to them all day. Baltimore sports fans of all ages, welcome to Section 336 Next Generation of Baltimore Sports Talk. I am your endearingly stuttering host, Matt Sroka. As always, I'm joined by the button lover, Josh Sroka. How's it going, Matt? Good. Excited to talk about some trades. Special trade editions. Today is Monday, August 31st, trade deadline day. (laughs) Like every year. I was getting a little nervous as uh, it got closer to 4 o'clock, and it looked like the Orioles were not going to do any other trades today. Yeah, well, we talked about the over-under, and I think last week, I think you said 2. We set the over-under at 2. I said 4. Right, you wanted 4. Yeah, and it turns out... um, Trace. Right, yeah. 3. But, but, kind of 5. (laughs) <laughs> what do you wait? Uh, are you going? Are you going back like trades for the entire season? What are you doing here? I mean, if you count the Richard Blyer, Hector yeah, yeah, yeah. Velasquez, going back to the beginning of the season, it's five. <laughs> and if you count the uh, Marlins trade of Villar, Villar was an Oriole last year, so we'll count that. That'll be six. Uh, did the Angels end up trading Bundy? That could be seven they for the Orioles Bundy. by your type of math. They didn't, but they, but Pilar was traded, and Pilar always catches every ball that Doros hit. So there's some <laughs> right, connection we'll there. Give credit there. So maybe there should be, yeah. No, but Josh, I know. I don't know. I mean, we, I'm don't diving right into this, but I just want to say I was shocked, and I know you were too, shocked about the trade deadline action. Like I thought, we talked about this with the short season, right? Who's going to really want to go all in this year? I thought it could be a dud of a trade line. Padres trading everybody. They're going all in. And so many teams making deals. I did not. I thought the whole conversation, yeah, that we've been having is that this year is going to be interesting because lots of people are in it. So no one's going to want to bet the farm to go all in. And the Padres are going all in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the Marlins were doing. They're trading Villar, but then trading for Marte. I don't really understand that. I'm not close enough to that organization. But, but, I mean, it seems like almost every team in a pennant race was making deals. Yeah, there was a lot more action than last year. Yeah, even small deals. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's evidenced I mean, by the Orioles alone having three trades, which is kind of significant. And the teams we traded with. We traded to the Mets. The Mets are a team that shouldn't be fighting for this year. Yeah. Um, the Rockies. I don't think the Rockies are doing that much this year, right? I should look that up beforehand, but I don't think they're like leading their division or no, anything. No, I mean no, the Dodgers are running away with that thing. Right. They're they're playing for one of those um, extra extra spots. Right. Um, so the the Rockies they're, they're fighting for the. I mean, and the Padres the are in the division five, too. So it's Dodgers and the Padres, and then the Rockies. The Rockies in are eight games back. They're playing five hundred ball. Yeah, they're looking for that wild card spot. And then who's the third team we traded with? The Braves. The Braves. And the Braves are in a very similar situation to the Mets, where they're leading the division. But again, it's a crappy division. Yeah, they were actually, a lot of people were saying 
that's one of the biggest disappointments that they didn't trade for another starter. That they went for Malone when they could have went for after Clevenger or Bundy or something. Yeah, I thought Buster Olney had a really nasty tweet where he tweeted, the Braves stand pat and don't trade for a starting pitcher, which I <laughs> felt was a slap in the face to Malone. <laughs> that is. That's great. I like that. <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, that was, that was surprising. But, again, I mean, if you're, if you're the Mets, that's really a bad division. You think Miami's going to hold in that second spot? No. So maybe the Mets are like, no, we, 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 we can jump up and take that second spot from the Marlins. Because uh, that, that, that East is kind of still wide open in at least. I mean, right. Marlins are in that position because they've still played less games than everyone. They're still like five games behind everyone else. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. They play 30 games, and the Phillies are right behind them, which play 29 games. Okay. All right. Well, then the uh, – yeah, but the Braves have played 33. Yeah, and the Orioles have played 34, so. Yeah. So It's a wacky year. Who knows? It is. It is. Hey, but not only the trade stuff all went down, the Orioles got a win today as well. Yeah, really nice win. Because the nice part of this Orioles getting rid of some people is that we got to see Keegan Aiken start. Yeah, very surprised. I was shocked that he started. You know, because I read we the had quotes. this conversation last week. Yeah, and I read the quotes from Manager Hyde, where Manager Hyde said, he's not starting. Like, he's not going to even do a long relief. Like, I might put him in there as a lefty bullpen guy, but we're trying to win, so he's not starting. Right. And then do you know what I think happened? Uh, Hyde was <laughs> Hyde uh, was told. I think Hyde got Michael a phone Elias call. Came in and said, "Hey, uh, we're not winning anymore." Yeah, I think Hyde got a phone call and said, "Listen, I need to know if Aiken can play. I need to know right. what I have in Keegan Aiken. So mm-hmm. start Keegan Aiken. I think that's yeah. what happened. I think Elias think told Hyde to start with, Keegan Aiken. You think you're winning? I'm sending Malone to Atlanta. You yeah. think you're winning? I'm sending Givens to Colorado. Yeah. You, you think, think you're, you're winning? winning? Start yeah, Keegan I'm Aiken. Getting rid of Castro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> start Keegan Aiken." Yeah. yeah. Were you surprised that it was only pitchers we were able to get rid of? Because we've got some guys who are really hitting the ball well. First of all, I, I take issue with your wordage there, get rid of, who we were able to <laughs> The strategy trade of the Orioles season this year was how many people can we get rid of and bring younger people in? It's true. And I think most Oral fans get this. There's always, you know, the oddball. But almost all Oral fans were, like, rooting for trades, even though it meant yes. we were— giving away players to get worse players. The fact that the Orioles won one game in two weeks helped us all cheer for the trades. Yeah, so in, in, in some way, and I don't know if we want to crown the Orioles MVP yet, but a lot of people are saying Santan there. Maybe like Cole Saucer should be the <laughs> Orioles Saucer. MVP for, for helping us you know, tank the season. Right, right, for, for getting four losses into on his own alone. Yeah, and, and, and helping us solidify where we stand. Yeah. Um, but 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 the position player thing, I mean, Iglesias, I thought there was zero chance he's, tra- he's being traded. Because of injury. And because the Orioles value him more than any other team. I mean, we got freaking Pat Vileka trying to play shortstop. Um, so I think he's just more important to us. And he's going to be here next year. So if you really want to trade him, wait till the offseason or wait till next year. There was, it didn't make sense to trade him. Well, with that logic, you could also use that logic for Nunez and Alberto. Because they're they're returning next year too, right? And and Severino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing about it is is that I think the shortstop position, right? And you're the injury too, like you mentioned, the shortstop position too, where it's just we don't have another guy shortstop. We can find someone to play second. We can find someone to play third. 
but it's harder to find someone. I, I saw Ryan Mountcastle play third today. Maybe he could play some short. He was drafted as a shortstop. Uh huh. Did you see him play third today? No, no I didn't watch. I was at work. I didn't watch any of the game. In the, uh, I believe it was the tenth inning, the Orioles pulled him in to play third so that they could, you know, bring all the outfielders into the infield um, and do a five-man infield. Yeah, they've done that before. But, yeah. But he was a. Yeah, that was a really nice. I watched the replays of the relay by Iglesias. That was a really nice play. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I'm not. I'm not super surprised that they didn't trade any position players. Um, partly because they all can come back next year. But the bigger part is I don't know what the value is for Alberto. Do people like Alberto? Like, is he a guy you're going to give up a top thirty prospect on your team for Alberto? I, I don't know that. I don't know how right. the team view Alberto. He's weird. <laughs> Is he? Yes, he like, is. he is weird because he's not really a guy you want on the field necessarily. He's, yeah, he's not great defensively. He's average at he's best not, defensively. He's not a power hitter, so you really don't want him as your DH. But he seems to get on base, so he's, he's weird. He's, he swings at everything, balls over his head. Right. Um, he's he, he's not going to work the count at all. He's not going to walk at all. He's just going to swing at nonsense. But then he's also going to hit close to three hundred. So. Yeah. I, I don't know what to make of Alberto. Um, Severino, uh, he's the other guy that I was thinking. I've been kind of disappointed in his catching. I thought he was a good catcher for some reason. But the more I watch him, the more I'm not impressed with his catching ability. Um, and again, he's he's a guy that's still in a contract. Right. So I, I guess, it, I mean, I was kind of rooting for them to remove Severino, but I'm okay with them keeping him. Removing Severino would have kind of helped with that answer, that question of who backs up Adley Rushman. Yeah. So yeah. But having I, Yeah, I think they can extra. still live with Rushman and three catchers. Like, they talked you about mean, this. You mean, and two catchers. Two more catchers. And, and two other catchers. Not, not Rushman and three And Holiday and, and Cisco. Severino, Cisco. Yeah, and bring up Austin Wins. No, but because they, they talked about this when he was drafted. Playing him 40 games or something at first base. Talking about Mountcastle. Right. D- I mean, not, not Mountcastle. I'm Rushman. talking about Rushman. You can DH him a bunch, right? Yes. So prolong, because he's really good offensively, prolong his life as a catcher by putting him a bunch at DH, putting him a bunch at first base. Um, so I think the Orioles will do that. And then. Okay. Because you could do the same with Severino. You can DH him. Yeah, and Cisco well. too. And they've been yeah. using Cisco and Severino's DHs a lot. Yep. So I think okay. you can make that work if they're all good offensively. If they all play like this, that they're yeah. playing this year offensively. I don't know if especially, that's sustainable. Especially if Davis bounces back. Yeah, Davis is <laughs> hasta la vista. Yeah, we're not going to talk about him tonight. Just had to squeeze that in. Yeah, thank um, you. All right, so three trades. What do you, how do you grade this for Michael Ice? A, B, C? We can break down the trades. Yeah, we, yeah and let's break them down. But let's first, let me put it this way. The Orioles made five trades in total this year. Yep. Hector Velasquez, Richard Blyer, Tommy Malone, Michael Givens, Michael Castro. I would say of those five, Richard Blyer is a nice player. Miguel Castro had insane stuff. But, like, Michael Givens was the best of those players. Yes. And he, I would say he was the only good player in that whole list. The okay. rest are average fine. Okay. In that return, Josh, for those five guys where mm-hmm. I would argue only really one good guy was traded. Yeah. We got six players to be named later. Right. And then we got added to, and this is according to 
I think MLB or whatever. We yeah. got um, prospects number twelve on our team, thirteen and twenty three. So we added three top thirty prospects okay. on our team into our farm system. Into when our they farm brought system. them over. That's where they're ranking them. Yep. And then we also got six players to be named later for those five players. That right. just in total. That seems to be a pretty good haul. <laughs> yeah, for, yes. Right? Isn't which, that pretty impressive? Yeah. Which of the trade do you think is the best trade that he made? Oh, I think there's no doubt about it. I was really surprised, and that's the, the, the Michael Givens. Oh, see, I'm going a different direction. Why is Givens the best trade? All right. Because, because you got two top prospects? Yeah. I mean, if you look at I was really surprised. Go, uh, moving away, I said that... Um, the Orioles got a number 12-ranked prospect. But if you go to fan graphs, Taron Vavra, I guess, Taron Vavra, the, the second baseman that they got, um, or middle infielder, I think he plays second and short. Right. right. He's ranked one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh according to fan graphs. Right. So the only people above him, according to fan graphs, are Rushman, Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, Mountcastle, Kerstat, Gunnar Henderson, and then Vavra, or however you say his name. I got to learn how to say his name. <laughs> well, how would you say that? V-A-V-R-A. Is it like Vavra? Like Vavra? Vavra, Vavra. I don't know. Um, but, but below him, like Diaz, Diaz is below him. Yes. Bauman's below him. But Ken is below him. Like, they ranked Vavra really high. You got him, which I would have thought, that's a great deal. For right. a year and a half of Gibbons, you get our, our number seventh prospect, according to fan graphs. But then on top of that... I mean, you also got Tyler Nevin, who can play first base and third base right. as well on the deal. So, oh my, you also got him. So I was like, you got two top infielders. When part of the conversation we've been having is that we don't have infielders in our farm system. Yeah, especially at kind of the upper levels. Yes. Um, and they're both 23. They haven't played at the upper levels of the minors yet. They've been playing in single A and double A. But but next year, I would imagine they'll play in double A or triple A. So because there's 23, I think they'll be 24 next next baseball season. Um, so you got some of those upper level minor, a minor, middle infielder and someone to play first base. So I think that's right. I think that was a great a great trade. Well, I really like the Castro trade. Okay. Uh, but I think that the win and trade out of this group is uh, Malone to the Braves for two players to be named later. Because Malone is a guy who we signed to a minor league contract this offseason with a, with a spring training invite. We ba- paid him nothing and flipped him into two players to be named later. So I think that's an impressive move by uh, playing the, a little bit of playing the long game for Mike Elias to, to sign him in February with, with plans to flip him. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know if the plan was to flip him. You could say they're trying to flip LeBlanc, too, and that didn't work out. Oh, but I, I think they were going to flip LeBlanc until the season ended an injury. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think if, they if LeBlanc did not get hurt, to. I think they would have been able to push LeBlanc as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree the deal worked out. I mean, it's something interesting about the players we received back is I think they were all, yeah, they were all 23 years old. So a lot of people got it wrong. Because a lot of people said we would take a bunch of 17, 18-year-old pitchers. No, that doesn't fall into the 2023 plan. Right. So the, to me, this, this is the lies is saying, like, I don't want your 17-year-olds. I think we're closer right. than that. 
Give me your give me your 22-year-olds. Give me your 23-year-olds. We've got a problem in Birdland. The problem in Birdland is we have a whole lot of people who have accepted the rebuild narrative, but they don't see an end to the rebuild. They think it's always rebuild mode. So they think you're always pulling 17-year-olds, and next year you'll dump everyone and pull 17-year-olds. And in 2022, you'll dump people and choose 17-year-olds. And they want to rebuild the farm system nonstop instead of setting a goal and saying 2023 is when we're going to be back and yeah. pointing to that plan. Yeah, it's A rebuild true. is only as good as you got, you got to look at that end date and aim. You need a goal. Otherwise, you're in constant rebuild. And we've been in that no goal, constant rebuild mode before as Oriole fans. We have a goal. Well, people with that mindset are the same people who were – Criticizing the San Diego Padres um, for making all the deals that, that they're that they're making. Here's a team with the number two farm yeah. system all in baseball. Who all of a sudden, you know, these young players have emerged maybe a little earlier than they were expecting. Right. So 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 they're trying to win. I mean, they yeah, got one of the what? best pitchers on the markets, and that's kind of the point. You don't win the World Series for having the best farm system. Yeah, I you know. <laughs> tell tell that to some fans. Some fans just want the number one farm system. I know. They don't care how the season goes. Right. All right, so our, our farm system also improved with the Castro trade today. And I really like this because you, you took a player that has nasty stuff but is hot and cold out of the pen with a, the guy. You got the best pitcher from the uh, Mets farm system over here who's projected to be a 3-4 starter. I like that move. Yeah, okay, I don't... And that would be Kevin Smith. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's number 12th in our farm system. Yeah, um, I look forward to many years of Kevin Brown calling Kevin Smith's games. Yeah. They, they actually have, well, according to MLB prospects, they had Kevin Smith one spot above the guy I was just talking about, Taron Vavra. They have him one spot above him. Um, but he goes right in there with there's a group in our 10s of like our 9, 10, 11, 12 prospects are Michael Bauman, Dean Kramer, Zach Lothar, yeah. Kevin Smith. That yeah. also could be our triple-A rotation next year. Bauman, yes. Kramer, Lothar, and Smith. And, and so, with some of them sneaking up in the season as needed. Right. And so out of that group, right, you don't need all of them to become number four starters. No, you need three. Well, I would argue you need two. You need a fourth starter and a fifth uh, starter. No, four, five. I'm trying to get three, four, five. All right. All right. No, I already got three. Okay, I just need four and five. All right, gotcha. Four or five sounds good. John Means is already in my three. I don't need him. Uh, I'm nervous right. about John Means. Okay, well, John Means is still my three. He, he's bumped down, though. He used to be my one. He's in my three now. Sorry. Okay. And then between Kramer, Lothar, Smith, and Bauman, and those are kind of our top pitching prospects outside of Rodriguez and Hall, you need a few of those guys to hit. And they're all around the same age. They're all 24, 23. Right. So, yeah, I'm excited about um, I wasn't excited at first that we traded Miguel Castro. Oh, yeah. What do you like? His, uh, his, his videos on Pitching Ninja or something? Yeah, I like his videos Pitching Ninja. I think if you're a, a rebuilding team, you kind of, I mean, that's the kind of guy you want, right? Like a guy with nasty stuff who you can kind of, you're able to play him all the time to harness some of that stuff. And I think Miguel Castro this year has been a lot better than he was last year. Um, so not, not, but, but at the same time, he's making over a million dollars this year. He has arbitration next year, so he'll make even more money. So financially, I think that would make sense. And, I mean, we've had this Miguel Castro experiment for a really long time. 
Right. This might have been the high point for him. Well, and the, but my last point on why I like it is I can't believe we got a top 12 prospect in our system for Miguel Castro. Exactly. That kind of blows me away, actually. Right, right. Right. Castro was never a top 12 prospect. No, no. Here's a guy who's never could put it together. Um, he's been traded a bunch just because people love his talent, but then everyone sees him as like, oh, no, he's actually can't control that talent. And so the fact that you got a number 12 prospect out for, for him, um, I think is, yeah. is really impressive. Um, so all in all, like all this stuff for Mike Elias, again, Mike Elias, like you still got to win games, but all this points to wanting to win sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, and and like getting good value back for your guys. Yeah, sure. And it's 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 all part of this trust the Michael Eyes process. And it's not. Yeah, it's not just a we suck, we suck, we suck, we suck, we suck. It's it's using and taking the best parts of us and using them to get ready for the future. <laughs> it's that twenty twenty is not a wasted season. 2020 has its purpose, but, and but, it's and the purpose of yeah. those 14 that hot start and that 14 wins allowed Givens and uh, Malone and Castro to show off a little bit, play well enough that we could flip them. Yeah, and that's I mean, and and the fact is, this team is devoid of talent on the roster. This this is why I predicted us to win 15 wins because Dan Duquette. Yeah, already today, traded all the talented by, players away. You, you said by August 31st we would have 15 wins. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> um, and all, all the ta- so so like Michael Givens was the only remaining player from the Dan Duquette kind of era era that he was unable to get unable to trade away. I guess him and Trey Mancini who was injured, um, the only players of talent that were not eight, that was not were not traded away. Well, right now the longest tenured Oriole. Is Chris Davis, then Mancini, two guys who aren't on the team, which leaves the oldest tenured active player to be Anthony Santander. Yeah, it's just crazy. So it's just crazy, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that shows how much this team has flipped in the past three years. But the fact that Michael Elias took this open day roster, completely devoid of talent outside of Michael Givens, and turned it into three top 30 prospects and six players to be named later just kind of blows my mind. Uh, and the six players to be named name later, I don't know. That could mean so many different things. So I don't know. We don't need to talk about it. Right. It doesn't. We don't know what that means and won't for a long time. Right. Uh, it could mean they have a guy in mind, but they just can't name him. Or it could be a lot of times they're not named till later. So. Well, this season's weird because you can only trade the people who are at your uh, at your other camp. So I think this year it means they do have the names set aside. But they have to wait till the off season to make it official. Yeah. So we'll see. On basically, we'll learn by how quickly those names come out once the off season starts. But even in a normal year, occasionally you'll see a player to be named later. Yes. Yes. Um, right. There's just a lot more this year because of that. Right. Um, but I also that my point of like the Orioles had to play decent ball and win some games in order to make these trades happen. So even though we're not going to get the number one draft picked overall, like it's still a successful year if we get a, a high, let's say ten, top ten draft pick plus all these trades, 
is still pretty successful. Where if we went 0 and 60 or 2 and 60, there's no way Malone would have been traded and probably not Castro, maybe Givens. Like, the team has to play well for players to look good in order to trade and actually bring back respectable players. Yeah, yeah. For, so you're right. And so the, the, the year of success, from that perspective. Also, um, why did we win today's game? Well, Santander is a big reason that we won today's game. Yeah. We almost won yesterday's game single-handedly on Ryan Mountcastle. And so yes. what you, winning also means is you have some of these young players who are playing really well. And now you know, like you, I didn't have confidence at the beginning of the year that Santander was going to be an outfielder of the future. Now it feels like he is. Right. Even only seeing Ryan Mountcastle for, for you know, a little over a week. I feel a lot better about Ryan Mountcastle in our future. Um, he also made a really nice play in left field today, which yeah. I saw. He looks, he looks like he's 12, but it's cool to see him out there. But he hits like he's a man, so I'll take it. Right. Um, so, yeah, all these are – this is turning into a really good season. And if they don't move Cole Saucer, if they put him back in that closer spot, we could also finish with the top eight draft pick. So all of that would well, be perfect. Well, Hyde did say today that he is Saucer is no longer going to be closing games. I know he's he said that in softer situations. I saw he said that, and then I'm sure he got a phone call from Mike Elias soon after saying Saucer's the closer. No, and then no, Hyde no, was no, like, no. "No, no, but he's no good. Saucer's no, 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 the closer." No no no. <laughs> no, 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 because it's because exactly like you were saying about Santander and uh, Mountcastle. You're going to do the same thing with this closure position, whether it's Hunter Harvey or Keegan Aiken or uh, who else is up there? Dylan Tate? Yeah. Uh, Tanner Scott, if you want. Yeah, yeah, Tanner Scott. You're going to have a tryout to see who can be the closer next year. Mm, Yeah, I think it's a little bit different with these kind of new agey managers in the high leverage situations and stuff. I, I hope so. Well, I, I always wished this. I always wanted this. Well, why was Cole Stalser the closer, Josh? Was he the best bullpen arm we have? No. No. Is. He was not even top three bullpen arm we had. Right. right. So I think what happened was is you wanted Michael Givens for those high-level situations. True. They were using Miguel Castro also for those righty-on-righty's high-level situations. Yeah. They wanted Tanner Scott for the high-level lefty situations. They wanted Paul Fry for the lefty-lefty ma- matchups. And so kind of like who's left? Oh, Cole Saucer. Oh, you just go close games. Right. But the problem is when you have to close the game, well, never mind. It was the bottom of the it was the bottom of the Blue Jays lineup. It wasn't like it was high leverage. Yeah, you, you walked the bottom of the lineup, so then you gotta <laughs> place Gritchuk. Yeah, yeah, never mind. Never mind. But But yeah, I like that. I like that in concept. The problem is whoever that guy is that's left over. Cannot be the, cannot be blowing the games. You can't get through the high leverage situations just for your crappy closer to blow the game. Right, and I think that's why Salser was was removed from it. But I mean, Tanner Scott has given up like three straight inherited runners or something. But before that, he was like 0 for 12 for inherited runners, and right. that's when you want Tanner Scott, right? Or that's when you want Michael Givens with a run on first and second. Um, and right, Tanner. Yeah, Tanner Scott came in many times and saved those inherited runners. To keep yeah. Givens ERA clear. Yeah, compare that to a closer who started off with a blank slate with no runners on. In some respects, it's easier, right, to close that game than to come in with yeah. two, two runners on. Oh, definitely, totally. Yeah. Uh, Josh, are you? Uh, 
Are you surprised that there was no, and maybe this is just a, a product of the player to be named later, uh, but are you surprised there weren't more younger players that we traded for? Like, they were all, no. the only odd thing for me was they were all 23 and they were all playing in either single A, I think one guy was playing in double A, but most of them are still playing in single A at 23. So that's, but then again, I guess that was last year when they were 22. That was last year, so 22. This would have been their double A year. Yeah. So they're on pace. But, I mean, Ryan Mountcastle was playing in triple A when he was 21. Yeah, but Ryan Mountcastle's a higher prospect. Yeah. So. All right. Um, yeah. So, no, I'm not concerned about the age. Again, it's like you were saying, the age is because we want them sooner. And I think it's also, uh, I don't know, sometimes I don't, like, I don't like trades for young guys because the young guys, you haven't seen them develop yet. You haven't seen them turn into a man. You haven't seen, you're still watching, like, the guy with all the potential. And you haven't seen if he can turn that potential into something. And I feel like I've been disappointed constantly by young guys who we draft really young, we bring them in really young, we say they're the future, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, he's never made it out of double A. Five arm injuries later, yeah. Right, right, uh, yeah. I mean, like it's like Hunter Harvey. Hunter Harvey, I love that he's finally up in our bullpen. But we talked about him as the ace since he was like 18 years old. Yeah. And then he, we never saw that. So... I feel like by bringing in guys at 23, you know by 23 whether or not they have what it takes to make it to the next level. You've seen them already go and make some stages of improvement in the minor leagues. Yeah, Hunter Harvey. Every time I think about it, I think of Hunter Harvey was drafted in 2013. <laughs> so long ago when he was drafted. Uh, and now he's finally up here, hopefully, to be a productive. I mean, he, he got uh, Hunter Harvey. He came back this week and... Was throwing hard. That looked good. Yeah, I, I, I love Hunter Harvey. I wish he was a starter. It, it's very disappointing that he's in the pen. Um, yeah, been, but Hunter did, Harvey was drafted yeah, our first year of the podcast. We've been talking about Hunter Harvey the entire existence of Second 336. Yeah. But, I mean, if he turns in to be a really good back in the rotation, it's not – all is not lost, right? Like another Zach sure. Britton situation. Sure, and that's what the back of the rotation is. The back of the rotation is generally failed starters. It's rare that it's a failed shortstop that you then get <laughs> to trade. Evans. That's rare. Yeah, and that's why it also excites you about that group of Michael Bauman and Dean Kramer and Zach Lothar and Kevin Smith that, okay, even if they don't turn to be your fourth or fifth starter, um, you have potential bullpen arms there. So that's another kind of crop of bullpen arms. That could yeah. potentially help the major squad. I'd like to get Alan Mills on this podcast and just talk about the progression of uh, Mikel Givens from shortstop to pitcher and how you do that. How at that level you transition a guy from an infielder to a pitcher. Yeah, I bet he had. I don't know the history of Michael Givens, but I bet he had history in his background of being a starting pitcher, right? And then at some point he converted into a shortstop because you had to choose to play offensive or, you know, or pitch. And I bet I bet his history he was he was a pitcher. Uh, but Josh, your point going back to your point about uh, maybe Michael Elias prefers older prospects. I think there could be something to that. I mean, he drafted Michael Elias drafted Adley Rushman over Bobby Witt Jr. He went for a proven kind of college guy from a big college program 
over a high schooler. Um, he, he dropped a curse stat here in his most recent draft. Again, a college um, hitter from a good college conference. And so you have more, more data on college players. Um, and you're right. If, if you put a lot of weight in numbers and a- analytics um, and peripheral kind of stats, well, then aren't you going to want to have as much data um, at your fingertips? Isn't, isn't more data always better? And so you're going to have a lot more data on a 23-year-old than, than you're going to have on a 17-year-old. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's, that's my whole that's – that's, that's the same thing I was saying, but just referring to stats instead of me just saying, oh, they're going to develop. You've already seen them develop. But, yeah, it's, it's the history. It's seeing exactly uh, what they can do as an adult and, and see if they can make that stat. Sure. And Givens was a pitcher in high school. He was a pitcher and an infielder. He had an eight and four uh, record, and with 113 strikeouts in his senior year. Nice. That's the other thing about Kevin Smith that excites you. He had kind of more strikeouts than he did innings pitched. Yes. Um, and so that's that's something they, they they say. You know, he's got the. Um, Sits in the low low nineties with his fastball, so not not blowing you away, um, but uh, he's got a good slider from what they say. Um, they say the same thing they say about. I was reading. I was funny. I was reading kind of the you know the prospect write up on Kevin Smith, and it was the same thing they say about Zach Lothar, where like throws in the low nineties, but it's like a sneaky low nineties because like he has a long delivery and so his hand is closer to the plate, so it looks like it's coming faster than the low nineties. So maybe there, I don't know, maybe there's this uh, group of pitchers um, that's underappreciated who throw in the low 90s but have a, a release point close, close to the plate, which makes it look like it's going a lot faster. I don't know. Right. Speaking of uh, rotations, how annoying is that guy in Toronto that basically comes to a sit position before popping up and pitching? Oh, yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, I, it's I like it. bizarre. And here's what I don't get. All I want to do is see us try to steal on him. Because why wouldn't you, when he drops his butt all the way to the ground, just start running? Yeah. Because he's still got to pop up to third and third of the plate. And to pop up and turn is going to be weird. So I would just run on him as soon as he dropped. Yeah. I know. I mean, it, I mean uh, uh, it, it reminds me, I mean, uh, it reminds me of, who was it, the Hideki Nomo and, and just kind of some of these other... The guys that would just turn around. Yeah, it would like turn around and face second base while, while they're pitching. Yeah. Right. But I was, I, which I'm, I'm kind of a fan. There's not so much, so many, um, her day nomo who do that. There's not, there's not so, so many players who can. I mean, as a pitcher, you're kind of limited in your windup, and so you're a fan, Josh. I know of sinker or submarine pitchers and sidearm pitchers. Like yeah, knuckleballers, knuckle pitchers, anyone that does anything weird. Yeah, if it helps them. Yeah, even if it doesn't help yeah. them, just to, to see some weirdness. Right. I, yeah, I joined a softball team down here, and I'm our pitcher, and I've started adding just weirdness into my rotation. I don't know if it helps or not, but I just want to make something to distract the batter because it's softball and it's boring. Well, careful! You might get a a ball back in the jaw doing some. No, what stuff. I do is I. Uh, I step forward with my left leg, but I cross my right leg. So I step way to the right off the mound 
and kind of throw it from behind the batter. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's softball, so they still hit the ball. So I don't know if it helps or not. Have you had any games yet? <laughs> uh, I, we've had some scrimmages. Games start uh, next week, I believe. But we've had scrimmages against the other teams. Okay. So. Um, one last comment about these trades, and then I'll shut up yeah. about the trades. Um, we also f- kind of filled positions of need. So if you look at our kind of shortstop, second base prospects, our highest prospect was Jordan Westberg. Or Gunnar Henderson is listed at the third base, according to Fangraphs. And outside of that, you got to go way down our list to find Jordan Westberg, who we recently drafted. Um, and so we have um, most of our, our top prospects are outfielders, right? Like Ryan Matcastle, Kerstet, Diaz, McKenna. Like, they're all outfielders. And then you have Rushman in there. And then you have our top two pitchers in Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. And then not very many pitchers either. Um, so our best pitchers are younger guys um, in Rodriguez and, and D.L. Hall. Um, Rodriguez is 20, DL Hall's 21. And so when you add talent, you add it kind of to two talent to two places of need. Older prospect pitchers to can be at your upper levels of the minors, because your lower level of the minors is where our best pitching is. Now you have right. more good pitching to our upper levels of the minors, closer to to, to the majors. Um, and then middle infield, which is another big area of need. Because if you look at AAA, you have Richie Martin, I don't know who else would play shortstop at AAA. Gunnar Henderson. Um, Gunnar Henderson. But Gunnar Henderson... And he's way down there. He's 19 years old, yeah. So he's not close to being... Yeah, I mean, way down as in young, not... I know he's projected well. Yeah, and and Westberg was the guy we just drafted, but he's still 21, so he's still a couple years away. When you bring in a guy who's 23, he's going to get to the majors earlier than the guy that's 19. Gunnar Henderson will not be ready by 2023. Right, so I expect Vavra to go right into... Vavra. Vavra, either second base or shortstop, depending on what happens with Richie Martin. But, like, next year, he's going to be at the upper-level minors, and he's going to be, you know, a phone call away from being, from being ca- called up. And so, I mean, just it's, it's two names to watch. They might be nothing, but anytime you add guys to your 30-man prospects, you push guys down off it, I mean, it's good for the organization. It's not going to make us be the top five, you know, team uh, uh, pro- 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 prospect uh, team, but but it's, it it does make us just a little bit better. And again, yeah. when you're trading garbage and you get actual talent back, that's that's a pretty cool thing. Right, right. It reminds me of that uh, the Tommy Malone situation, especially. I was reminded of the um, uh, the game you would play as a kid, like what is it, bigger, better, or whatever, where you would go start with like a paperclip and oh, yeah. go door to door and try to trade it for something else and then trade that for something else. And you try to take this trash to get something that's at least usable. Yeah. Something you might like. And that's what the, that's the Orioles. Yeah. That's, we take some trash and we manage to, to trade some players this year. Yeah. And again, the name of the game with prospects is you get more of them and you get um, you increase their talent and then increases your chances that one or right. two of them might hit and become everyday players right like best right. case scenario out of these three guys who these three top prospects 12th 13th 23rd prospects if one of them becomes an everyday major leaguer like you won the trade like awesome yeah that's what and that's what people don't understand sometimes is you can have a great farm system it's still the lottery yeah it's still 
you're taking a chance on these guys making it and these guys coming and developing. Oh, I mean, just look at our team. Our, our best hitters, Santander, was not protected by the Cleveland Indians because they didn't think he was one of their top players. Um, now he looks like one of the MVPs of baseball. Our other best player, Trey Mancini, was never in our top you know, three prospects, in, even in our team. For, forget about in baseball. Um, John Beans, everyone, famously John Beans, was never near the top of our prospect boards, and he turned into our best starter. Um, Tanner Scott, I think it's a similar story where people did not have Tanner Scott um, as, as, you know, a top five, even a top ten guy. Um, and so you, you just don't know sometimes about how these players are going to develop. Um, sometimes people pick up velocity in their fastball. They, they learn a new pitch. Sometimes hitters hit for more power than you thought they would. It's just, it's, you're, you're right, it's kind of like a lottery. And so the more talent you have, the more chances you have uh, of these guys hitting. Yep. Sure. Did you, uh, did you see today the news about uh, Major League Baseball and making their pitch to minor league teams? Because, you know, Major League Baseball is doing this thing where they want to get more control of the minor leagues. And they made a pitch today to the minor league teams. And part of the pitch was, hey, if the Major League Baseball ran the minor league teams, we could do some neat things. Like we could do the Baseball Cup. And do you know, have you heard anything about the uh, Baseball Cup? Yeah, I heard this earlier this week. I heard people talking about it where you could play, some major league teams could play some minor league teams or something. Right. And it would be something where, like, it would be a tournament in season and, like, the major league teams would get, like, a two-round bye and the minor league teams would fight to get into it. And somehow you could have a major league, like, you could have the Yankees come into Bowie to play the Bay Sox yeah. and something. I don't think it will ever happen. I think it's just some weird, like, thing they're putting out there to say, hey, if we run the minors, you might get this. Because I don't understand why an owner of a major league team would allow their multi-million dollar person to go and play these games. It's like the same conversation we have with the World Baseball Classic. Like, if it doesn't help you win the World Series, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's... I don't know if baseball is ready for that big of a right. change. Could I think there's imagine? some inspiration from like soccer there, I guess, or something. Yeah, it's 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 soccer inspiration, and if if, if you want to, yeah, if you want to copy that soccer inspiration, let's go the whole way with it, where like the last place teams suddenly go into the minor leagues and the best minor leagues come up to the majors. Let's have some fun with it. Oh, that, that wouldn't. I be forget good for what the that's called. Um, but uh, yeah, I just I couldn't. Could you imagine if like. The Yankees years ago went to Bowie where Tanner Scott's still trying to control his ball and he's just throwing that 100-mile-an-hour ball right at Aaron Judge. It wouldn't fly. Wouldn't work. Yeah. No, yeah, so, I, don't, I don't really like that. I don't like that idea. I like it on paper. I like the idea. I don't think it would work. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, like, in the minor leagues, like, there's no motivation for them to actually win games. So that may, maybe that will make you try to win games after the minors. Right, because you have your championships, but really that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Hey, I was just, just – yeah, go ahead. I was just – it just means your best players weren't good enough to move to the next level. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious to see what happens, right, with the minor league season because, like, do we know for sure what's happening with the Frederick Keys? It's like, no. It's no all up there. in the air. Yeah. No. Yeah, because I don't want those teams to go away. Um, I was talking to people down here because there's, there's – 
a few baseball teams around me down here. There's, there's the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp and the uh, Daytona Tortigos, I believe is their name, the Tortigos, I think. Um, and then there, I think there's another like Manatee team or something. And they're really popular. Like people, I haven't seen it this year, but people say that those games are popular and lots of people go to them and stuff. So, because, you know, the closest major league team to us is like three hours away. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's something really fun about going to minor league games. It's like a sporting event. Yeah. That's, there there's was nothing like it. It's, it's a cool experience. Right. I was going to go to the Jumbo Shrimp for Florida Man Night when they were going to break, like, every in and break a Florida law. Or something like that. Yeah, I, me- I remember reading about that. I know, and I was going to go to, was it uh, Bowie? Cowboy, Cowboy Monkey Rodeo? Uh, no, I was going to say and get my uh, Ryan, was it, the, Ryan, was it the Austin Hayes bobblehead? Austin Hayes. Glove Austin Man. Hayes, Glove Man yeah. bobblehead. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, so I was just going back to our previous conversation. 2017, our yeah. top 30 prospects. I just looked it up. All right, all right. Top thirty prospects three years ago. Yeah. Do you know Go. who was our number one prospect three years ago? Um, three years ago, I will go Hunter Harvey. That's a good guess. He was number seven. Number one was actually Chance Cisco. <laughs> See, guys, sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah, and number nine in that list was Santander. Santander. He was okay. behind Cedric Mullins, who was five. Austin Aziz was two, Ryan Matcastle was three, uh, and D.L. Right. Hall was four, and Cedric Moss right, was five. So two was, all right, so number one, you had Cisco. He's, he's in the majors now. Yeah. But not a star. We'll see. The jury's still out on all, all right. Cisco big number, time. Number two was Austin Hayes. Yes. This was his first year. He's looking good so far. Yeah. So we're happy with that. Who was number three? Ryan Mountcastle. All right. We're good with that. Number four? D.L. Hall. D.L. Hall. Where's D.L. Hall? He's still on the list. He's still down there, right? Yeah, he's, he's, still, he's still ranked about number four for us. All right. Uh, number four or five. Um, right. And then Cedric Mullins, number five. Nah, that's the, the, well, this year he's having a good year, but kind of disappointing. Yeah, uh, especially when you compare him to Sis, uh, Hayes, Mountcastle, Hall, yeah. then right. Mullins. He kind of stands out there. Tanner Scott was number six. All right. Now, the interesting part is these guys you're reading from three years ago, they're all on the team now. Yeah, if you go number Which seven. You, yeah, go yeah. ahead. Well, that's why you got to look at 2020 right now and look at the top ten people and say they're going to be on this team in, in three years. That 2023 year, you should have a good amount of these guys up here. Yeah, to round it off, number seven, Hunter Harvey, eight, Keegan Aiken, nine, Santander. So, yeah, all guys – who are, yeah. who are now with the Magic Squad. And especially since we just brought in some older guys that would have been on our top prospects last year, they're definitely going to be up here by 2023. And you got to scroll all the way to the bottom, to number 29, to see our boy John Means. Sounds about right. I mean, and now he, I'm starting to wonder if he has the number 29. I mean, if, if he was a prospect now, because in 2017 our farm system was a lot worse than it is in 2020. That's not saying anything shocking. It's like right now, John Means would not be a top thirty prospect for us if he was. Yes. If if the he was playing, that. you know, at that age, 
on our current team. But we but we think he's hurt, right? Yeah, I think he he looks better. He looked better last time out. I know he gave up a couple home runs, uh, but he, he's still working back. He just had. I think people have bad years, right? Like this is just. I don't. Just a bad year. I hope he gets. A, I hope they continue to start him every fifth day, and that by the end of the season he looks somewhat of his normal self. Right. But it's just about getting him right for 2021. It's just been yeah. a rough year. And this is physically, personally for him. So I'm willing just, to just to say bad year. It's just a yeah. It's a crazy year. Nothing's normal about this year. So sure, you can look past it. Yeah, and we'll, I mean we'll see. He'll he'll be hopefully the open day starter next year, and we'll we'll yeah. find out what we have in John Means. Are you getting excited for football season? Um, it's sneaking up on us, right? Yeah, it's it's like two weeks away. Yeah, well, yeah. we'll see what happens uh, in, in the preseason games. That's when I really start to get excited. <laughs> well, that's the weird thing is football is really sneaking up because of no preseason games. So the, uh, the I mean, the first Ravens game is on the 13th, so it's less than two weeks away. Yeah, I don't know. On the one hand, like I'm super excited about the Ravens. I think they'll. You know, I think they'll be dominant this year. I think it's going to be an awesome them Chiefs. Like, I'm already putting them in the AFC Championship game, them and Chiefs, for an epic showdown. On the other hand, I'm trying to kind of chill out and temper my expectations, not because of the Ravens, but because the state of the world. <laughs> and, and so I don't want me to get super excited about this Ravens team and the season to end at week eight. And then I'm like, crap. Yeah. So I'm trying yeah, to temper my emotions a little bit. I... I'm excited for football season, and I think it's also partially because I said I want this Orioles season to be entertaining up to football season, like that old way we used to cheer for the Orioles. And, and it kind of like, has, right? And it has, and it has, and they've lived up to that. So I'm, I'm ready to roll into football season, and I've been watching Hard Knocks, and that gets me excited, even when every episode of Hard Knocks starts with the COVID test. Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and it's awesome because you see these huge, like, monster of men. Uh, freaking out about having to have a thing stuck up their nose. Mm. So it's fun. Um, but it's also, did you see the Ravens are selling cardboard cutouts? I, I, I saw, I didn't really read the, I didn't read what they said. I just, I just kind of saw the highlights. $55 and your face gets put on a cardboard cutout at M&T Bank Stadium. And that is it. Okay. That's it. What's, do now, you have a problem with that? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. What is the benefit of putting your face on a, on a when you're watching a football game? When do you ever see the crowd? Uh, maybe in the end zone when they score a touchdown and they do a Lambo leap. They're not going to do a Lambo leap in the cardboard cutouts. Um, so you're saying, Josh, no one's going to pay fifty-five dollars for a cardboard cutout? Oh no, I'm saying lots of people are going to pay fifty-five dollars. I'm saying I am not going to be paying fifty-five dollars. I wanted the Orioles to do this because baseball balls go into the stands all the time. You would see yourself on TV. They had the cool promotions where if a ball hits you, you get the ball. There was cool things. Yeah, that surprises There's me. There's no benefit to buying this cardboard cutout for $55. That surprises me that the Ravens are doing that because if you look at two sports happening right now without fans, the NBA and baseball, I guess hockey doesn't have fans either, but I've never watched one of their games, so I don't know what they're doing. But um, I have no idea. <laughs> they, they, they have fans? But the NBA, they might have fans for all I know. But the NBA 
looks cool. It looks high tech. It's kind of it's it really looks neat like a watching video game. the fans. Yeah, it's it cool. looks like a video game. And the baseball with the cardboard cutouts looks as corny. It looks like I don't know, like a freaking softball, a freaking uh, elementary school yeah. thing. Like it just looks corny and kind of it dumb. Does. I like. I'm surprised they're going with the corny and dumb, and not with the high tech NBA move. Right. I liked the game in Buffalo because it looked like you were playing in a minor league stadium. Yeah. Because you were playing in a minor league stadium. I liked that. Yeah. It was different. I mean, I also don't understand. Like, and maybe it's just me, but I'm like embrace the weirdness. I don't like the pumped in fan noise. I would prefer if you just had empty seats and just kind of embrace the weirdness. Put the mics on. If you got to do a three-second delay, do a three-second delay. But but put the mics on and just kind of uh, – or put – not, not even on players, but just put them close to the field so you can hear the stuff. Um, and I, I just – I like – this is an odd year. I don't know why they try – why do you try – you have something cool and unique and odd, and you try right. to make it like the old board – like well, embrace the weirdness. Uh, nah, see, well, baseball, tr- baseball tried to embrace the weirdness, and they got pushback from teams. That thought game and shit would be handled like that. The, the crowd, the whole point of the crowd noise is supposed to be covering from so your team can talk and not be heard. Right. So I understand that a little bit, but it's. I like, thought you had like. Playing, I thought you had like signals that coaches did. Maybe. Right, and and I would like it. Why not go back? If they would have done with no fans, no no fake fan noise. It'd be like you're back in high school yeah, again. Old school, yeah. And it'd be like pickup games, and that's a lot of fun. And I think the the players could have fun with it. Yeah, I don't know. Players on each other, yeah. You're talking, yeah. I, I I think I don't know. I yeah yeah. Like the NFL, I would have rather them put like digital tarps over all of the seats or something. I even, and this is going kind of maybe stretching it too far, but I remember as a younger man, maybe ten years ago. Going to the St. Louis Cardinals, watching a Saint, uh, going to St. Louis and watching a Cardinals baseball game. This is in the, the old stadium before they built the new one. And I, I remember being struck that unlike at Camden Yards, there was no, like, fans cheer. There's no, like, the Oriole Bird, get loud, right? I'm to get loud. Um, There's nothing like that. And the fans just knew when to cheer and when to get loud. <laughs> They didn't have to have some knucklehead mascot telling them when to cheer. Oh, like, oh. Right. And that's why St. Louis got the kind of the reputation of being the best fans, because they knew stuff like that, like when to yeah. cheer. And so and we, I, I don't need the pumped-in noise to tell me when to get excited. Right. And we used to make fun of the Nationals for that same reason. Having cheerleaders. Yeah. Because they would have cheerleaders. And last year I went to Tampa Bay in the race, and there, there was not even a crowd there. They're pumping in all the noise and uh, for cheering. Yeah. So, I totally get it. I do wish they would have just gone old school, um, but I do think these cardboard cutouts for a football game are stupid and ridiculous. And uh, if you, what the Ravens should have done is did it for PSL holders for free and be done with it. Not this fifty-five bucks. Not this Give money grab. Back. Right. Right now it's just a money grab, and uh, you have to be wearing Ravens gear. Apparently, so it's all just a money grab. What they should do is they should have fun with it, and and Steve Bashotti has got all that money. He should immediately buy all the cardboard cutouts, and he should do a section of Mo, a section of Captain America, a section of Cal Ripken Jr., a section and just 
do a whole section of one person and do all of these people that we would recognize, like the Dodgers guy that had uh, the Weekend at Bernie's guy in the backdrop. Yeah. Do fun things like that. I, I just, Not, Josh, you mentioned uh, some Baltimore icons, but you never mentioned Michael Phelps. Is there a reason? <laughs> well, yeah, Michael Phelps would have to be. Uh, Michael, you know what would be funny about Michael Phelps? The ears would be too Phelps? big to fit on the... No. It would block other people's view, the ears. Well, no, I would like to do an entire section of Michael Phelps, but one of them is the real Michael Phelps. Mm. Like, like Michael Phelps is actually like, sitting there. Where's Waldo? Where's it's Michael a Where's Waldo of Michael Phelps. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't even have one fan in the stands because that might spread COVID. Uh, no. You got six. If you, as long as you have six cardboard cutouts between you, you're good. Oh, so the Ravens will have fans back? Just six cardboard cutouts? How come they can't do that? I don't know. They should. They should. Every fan every fan for six, they should. Now, they're saying this is just for the part of the season, so they're still holding out that they could open up fans um, in November. Hey, Hogan says you can open up schools. Hogan said in his press conference, he said schools should open up. He said um, I this thing Camden. is almost done. He said we're down to 3% infection rate, and it's almost, yeah, it's almost it's done. Yeah, there's a lot of talk of herd of us reaching herd immunity now as a country. Yeah. Because the percentages have been going down across the country. You just got to ignore that article that just came out in Nevada where people were reinfected with COVID. Just ignore yeah, that. Or you, or, yeah, or yeah, no, you focus on the article that came out that said like most of the positives should have been negative tests because the traces were so small you couldn't it didn't do anything. Yeah. So you you just need to focus on the right articles. I mean that's that's all you need to do. You could focus, read the right articles, and you could make me believe anything. Uh, yep, exactly. Uh, it's whatever celebrity you want to get behind what article and what theory. Yeah, but I tell you what, what there's no debate about that Mike Elias crushed the trade deadline. No debate totally. about that. This is yep. this is. I mean, we talk. We're gonna go. I mean, the the weird thing about and just we can wrap up the show here. But the weird thing about. MLB trades is it's the one sport where you make a trade and you don't know if you won or lost until like five years from now. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. And totally. so it's not like even next year we can know, right? Like, yep. it's looking right now, by the way, that the Braves lost because Malone had one start. I think he was like eight I, runs or something. Yeah, did he start for, for him today? He started yesterday. He started the same day he was uh, traded. Yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what's fun about the Castro trade. Is we get to see Castro tomorrow as the Mets come to town. Yeah, another Blair situation there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, so that should be fun. But, like, yeah, like we, we won't know how the Cashner trade worked out last year for right. another four years, <laughs> which is kind of crazy <laughs> to think about. And so Mike Elias will probably be long fired before we find out if his deals were actually good or not. Did, did anyone sign Cashner this year? Who? Andrew Cashner. Oh. I don't think Did so. Did sign him this year? I, don't, I think he's hanging out with Yasiel Puig somewhere, maybe. Yeah, I don't think so. That's weird. Yeah. You would think, uh, I mean, come on, people are trading for Tommy Malone and Andrew Kashner couldn't get a job? Well, there was a lot of talks that the Orioles should have signed him. Yeah, um, and then they probably could have flipped him again today. Yeah, to the Red Sox again, maybe. No, but Right. Oh, no, Red Sox are yeah, not the Red horrible. Sox. Uh, we do have a three, our three, three, sixer of the week this week okay. is Jimmy, who went on over to three, three, sixer.com and signed up to be our Patreon for $3 and 36 cents a month. So this week we want to thank Jimmy doesn't have the last name. It just says Jimmy. That's, is that a friend of the friend of the show, Jimmy? Of course. Any three, three, sixer is a friend of the show. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, okay, fine. But yes, I think it's the same Jimmy that plays poker with us on Saturdays. And that has the podcast? And that has the Bleacher Birds podcast. I assume so. And either way. With Jimmy, whoever you are, we appreciate you. We appreciate you. You too can be a 336 of the week by going over to 336er.com. Or just go to section336.com, check out the show, share the show. All that stuff's been updated, and pages are running faster, and all that type of nerd stuff. All right, cool. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. Forget it to get Josh's all Josh's hot takes on the trades, and no, not really hot takes on the trade. More no. just his thoughts on his fantasy football team. You can follow Josh on Twitter. I, I, I didn't share about my fantasy football. Maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Maybe Wednesday I'll talk about fantasy football. Yeah, if you could just read through your roster. Yeah. You know what's great about fantasy football? Nothing. No, go ahead. No no politics. Mmm. Mmm. What's your team name, Josh? Football team. Hmm. Shoot. I thought you maybe you went political. No, no. I went I will I went uh make fun of the Redskins. Mm. I like to do topical team names. Last year I was the Anthem Kneelers. Which could still be could still work for this year, but I want yeah, I want to go with something more topical this year. So I got to think about my team name. Well, then it's a uh, you got, then you got to go with. Um, <laughs> I'll save them for after the show. Yeah, we don't want to be. I don't want to cancel the podcast. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I have a couple. I have a couple names in mind, but it's okay. It's a fantasy football team name, so right. it's okay. Orioles hangout. Would that work as a team name? Ooh. I don't think we're allowed to say those words. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here before I say other names. Yeah, please don't. Um, yeah, so you can follow us on the Twitter. You can follow Josh. Did you say your Twitter? <laughs> no, you totally just took your spot. You can follow us on the Twitter. Yeah. Pause, pause, pause. You can follow Josh. You can follow us Josh on the Jerome. Twitters. You can follow At Josh. Session 336 show. You're forgetting to say where to follow us on the Twitters. No, I was going to say you, you can follow us on the Twitters as Josh and I. You can follow right, us. Fine, fine. And then here's Josh's Twitter. You can follow us on the Twitter at Section 36 Show. You can also follow Josh on the Twitters. <laughs> at Josh Schroeder. And you can follow me at Section 336. Thanks for listening, boys and girls. And as always, go Oaks. Great job, Elias. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app. And then it makes sure it goes out to iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It They take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out.